Welcome everyone to the Retail Corner Podcast from Proxima 360. The purpose of our podcast is to bring a relaxed and educational environment to discuss the current retail landscape, best of breed products, and retail business best practices. You will always find us talking with business users, technical resources, and retail experts on how they are and where they are headed. I am your host, Carlos Diaz. Thank you so much for joining again. Uh, it's a beautiful Wednesday, beautiful day of the week, and I am very happy and excited to be able to be talking about loss prevention and inventory control. Uh, I have none other than the Director of Inventory Control and Loss Prevention for Agassi, which is a uh, retail young women's clothing company. Uh, Cole has been in uh, retail for over a decade. He has a master's in criminology and he started his career uh, back in the day with uh, Hastings, right? So he's got some white hairs in his beard, uh, like most. <laughs> yes, <of> I do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And Cole, you started in Hastings with uh, investigations, and then you move over to Sears to do more of a store operations. And I'm assuming also to kind of have a, compl a complete uh, vision of the entire scope of how inventory flows, right? Absolutely. Awesome. And then after that, you decided to move over to Agassi, uh, and that's where you really kind of used all your expertise and all your experience with uh, Hastings and with Sears in order to bring it all together, uh, managing their inventory control and also doing the main functions of loss prevention with the team that you had there, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Hastings because I actually started with Hastings in their warehouse. I was a, uh, I was managing their their incoming product, and so I was on the back of forklift unloading trucks and everything else like that. And so I actually got to see like the physical necessities of inventory. Oh wow! So you were really really hands on. I mean, you pretty much you're one of those people that was able to get to the top of the food chain, but you started with a broom on your hands. And you learn how to sweep the floors and you learn how to do everything from the ground up. Pretty much. Yeah. I moved through a, uh, uh, through their warehouse into their, uh, into their loss prevention and inventory over at Hastings and a, uh, sought out training with Wicklander and Zalaski, which is a, uh, which is an interviewing company an interviewing and a, uh, uh, made it so that I could actually, um, uh, do their loss prevention interviews and everything else over at Hastings, which, yeah, I, I absolutely love Wicklander and Zalowski. They are a, uh, they're industry leaders when it comes to interviewing and their more, uh, their philosophy of interview is not about uh, just catching the bad guy for this one thing. It's about uh, telling a story with a, uh, with your employee to see exactly what went wrong, not only with their, uh, with their loss that they caused, but this is the, the system that actually allowed that loss to happen. And so, and so you can kind of address the store holistically. Wow. No, that, that's amazing. No, thank you for sharing that with me. So then you also dipped in a little bit into uh, pretty much HR when it came to your loss prevention resources. You were very involved in the hiring and in the uh, interviewing process to make sure you got the right resources for the job. Absolutely. I mean, with, with loss prevention, that's where loss prevention starts is actually on the application. 
And uh, and if if you're not calling references, then if you're not calling uh, uh, calling to verify experience and that kind of thing, um, then then you're starting off on the wrong foot. And so, a partnership with HR is huge. I not only helped with the the hiring and and sometimes the firing, unfortunately, of a. Uh, um, but yeah, you've got to have a good a good relationship with HR when it comes to uh, loss prevention because if you don't have verified a uh, verified experience, if you don't have verified uh, skill sets, then you're setting people up for failure. Let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about loss prevention uh, holistically, right? Because I think when people hear the word loss prevention, there's always the thought somebody's stealing from me, right? And and that's as far as it goes. But to your point, which which, which is great, uh, it starts even before you get stolen from, right? It starts with properly vetting the resources you're going to bring to your company on any level, right? Uh, and then also... Uh, from what I know, right, vaguely from a loss prevention, you have the, the resources that you're interviewing, you have your internal theft, you have your external theft, uh, and then, of course, you have your discrepancies when it comes to the system, right? Uh, then you have your, your return to vendor inventory. So there's a lot of pieces that connect to it. And I would love if, if for starters, if you kind of break down for us so that for all the listeners out there uh, who are partaking in loss prevention or they already are part of it, but they want to kind of enhance their scope so that we have a full understanding of everything that loss prevention entails. Sure. Absolutely. Um, when it boils down to it, uh, loss prevention is, it kind of has a, a, like three prongs, like a trident. And uh, you have your internal, which is people who actually work for you that are, uh, that are causing loss in some way. Sometimes that's through theft. Sometimes that's through actually time theft or uh, uh, that kind of thing. Then you have external, which is the most uh, most commonly assigned to loss prevention. External theft is someone who does not work for you coming in and causing a loss. That lat loss could be caused through a uh, through direct theft, absolutely taking it out of the door. It could be caused through vandalism. It could be caused through uh, a couple other. Uh, uh, risk management type of, uh, type scenarios. And then, like you mentioned, there's a, uh, there's return to vendor issues, there's inventory issues, which in, in the loss prevention world is called paper shrink. And uh, that's where basically through no fault of a person, through no fault of an individual, they, uh, th- your, your inventory is, is off. And that, that could be through like a double shipment for some reason. Uh, you know, you, your system thought that you got two trucks today instead of just one, and it doubled everything on the back of that truck. Now, you won't know that unless you're paying attention to on-hands, unless you're paying attention to uh, uh, the receipts until you hit inventory. And that's, that'd be a huge thing to research. Uh, if you've got a double-billed uh, double truck in January and you don't do inventory until June, Finding all the little pieces that were that were involved with that truck is a complete headache. And so, uh, paying attention to receipts, paying attention to returns, that kind of thing is a uh, is a huge part of paper. So you've got oh, the internal yeah. paper. I, I can't imagine. I mean, especially in something like fast fashion, right? If you wait, right. till, if you're having quarterly or bi-yearly inventory, and you have to wait until that moment, uh, you probably don't even have the inventory anymore to do any type of tracking, other than 
you go through all your POS transaction receipts, which at that point you're probably going to lose a very similar amount of money on uh, labor funds. <laughs> well, the, 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 the nice thing is with, I mean, not to get into too specifics and everything else like that, but when you, when you see something like that, loss prevention for me, at least is all about the outlier. It's, it's the thing that doesn't make sense. The thing that doesn't match, you know, it's, it's the, um, it's the Sesame street game of one of these things is not like the other. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. Exactly what we're looking for in loss prevention. And so <laughs> okay, a so lot of, I mean, a vast majority of employees, a vast majority of companies, they're doing the right thing. They're, they want to do the right thing for the company. And so when you're looking at something that is not making sense, that's not matching, that's what loss prevention is to me, is, is really the... The anomalies fi- in the... Economy, yeah, finding the that outlier, yeah. And, okay. and for something like that double shipment, it would be, man, for some reason, we lost an entire run of these. I mean, three smalls, three larges, three mediums, everything. We lost all of it. Well, that's weird. You know, nobody's going to steal an entire run of these things. And so, yeah, that's where the research starts is, is determining what the exact anomaly is. Absolutely. No, that's, that sounds good. And so I know that you've uh, been part, uh, talking about those anomalies and talking about loss prevention as a whole. I know there's a lot of softwares out there in the market. Uh, and I know that you were part of the implementation uh, at Agassi for an actual loss prevention software. Uh, I, th- I believe before that, uh, they were really kind of investigating everything more of a manual process uh, than through an actual software. And I know you were part of uh, implementing XBRI. You were the business resource kind of spearheading that project. Uh, and XBRI, I mean, it's, it's, I think, one of the best, if not the best, uh, loss prevention. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's far and away the, the best that's on the market currently, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. And and so how involved were you uh, in the implementation? What was that like? Were, were you implemented back in the day when XBRI was a Micros product or was it after the Oracle acquisition of Micros when you did the XBRI implementation? That was actually my first assignment from our CEO at, uh, at Hastings. I'm sorry, not Hastings, at Agassi was to, uh, was to take XBRI and make it useful. And and I, when it was a micro uh, micros product, and uh, and so it actually was it, that was my original uh, original job at Agassi was just to get XBRI off the ground. Before then, a lot of relying on uh, the over and shorts, a lot of relying on like register uh, processes and register a uh, register anomalies in order to identify shrink. But with the XBR eyepiece, it actually allowed us to pull in the inventory and pull in so much more data that that you can look through. And that was honestly a blessing and a curse to Agassi. (laughs) (laughs) Because it became a lot more work for you, I'm sure. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit, yeah. So so it sounds like at the beginning, you guys were really relying on on the sales audit team to kind of initiate your investigations. And then once you put in loss prevention, you were really able to start engaging uh, as a loss prevention department, fully functional without the need of of sales audit, correct? Well, the sales audit team at Agassi is absolutely amazing. They, uh, They would track over and unders to the penny. 
and uh, overs and shorts to the penny. And so it was, it was really kind of, uh, it was easy for them to move over to XBRI because uh, they were, they were hungry for more information. They were, they would see the symptom of something come out through XBRI or I'm sorry, come out through sales audit, but they wouldn't see the cause. And the cause was, was inventory discrepancies and everything else like that, which were highlighted in XBRI. And so it kind of gave them a little bit more, a uh, uh, little larger picture rather than just seeing that the register is short $14. They, they were able to see exactly why it was and where, what, what truck that came off of and everything else like that. Kind of see the history involved rather than just the snapshot of the, the sales, sales audit piece. Nice, nice. No, I, I like it. I like the term that you used earlier in our conversation. They, they were able to see the story behind it, right? How, how it formulated. And I, and I think that's, that's, um, that's amazing because I think that gets uh, people so much more involved in their everyday jobs when they see this, this story that they're generating or the story that they're putting together, right? That puzzle, uh, because it gives more of a sense of purpose rather than just going through the motions, you know, and that that's, I think, critical in any job that anybody does, you know, uh, to have a sense of pride and to have a sense of purpose. Uh, so with that, wh what do you think, because uh, I've always, I've had this question for, for many people. So what's the real difference between sales audit department and loss prevention department? I mean, because it's, to me, it seems like they're like tied hand in hand, but at what point, does it really separate? Is it just when you actually go and investigate the people that are potentially uh, stealing from the company or is there further involvement between both of the departments? Well, I mean, it's, yeah, uh, they kind of fit into, it fit into each other beautifully because you have, like I said, the three parts of loss prevention, the internal, external and paper. Mm -hmm. And then with sales audit, they are, at least the way that I've always treated it is they are very much just concerned with the dollar. And a lot of what sales audit does has very little to do with, you know, interviewing people or, or finding uh, active loss at the, at the, at the store. But if a uh, credit card machine is for some reason, double charging people or not charging people or doing something strange, sales audit be able to catch that way before loss prevention. And they're seeing, they're seeing chargebacks. They're seeing, uh, they're seeing actually what's being taken to the bank. And so, uh, uh, with sales audit being a part of loss prevention, it's it's extending that story beyond the register because once it's sold, you know, loss prevention. If it's sold, it's great. It's done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But with Sales audit, it absolutely takes into more uh, more of the picture, more of the story, and it follows that money all the way to the bank, all the way to the deposit, all the way to the general ledger, you know, and then make sure that what we actually bought in uh, from from merchandising gets mm -hmm. uh, gets through the warehouse and to the stores. It's it's a way of of balancing. I love the I love sales audit because it is such a it is a system that that seeks balance. Yeah, it's very it's very black and white. So it's not in in, uh, in regards to opinions or it's not very subjective. It's very black and white. And then I like the way you put it. So pretty much loss prevention becomes an extension 
right, of sales audit and vice versa, right? Sales audit is an extension of itself. But also, it, I think it, it sounds like it, it allows for loss prevention team to actually be more, uh, instead of being uh, reactionary, I guess, you could be more proactive, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah, during the implementation of XBR at Agassi, one of the uh, one of the things that we turned we turned it on, and basically it uh, it was it was like trying to uh, fill up a teacup with a water hose. It was with a fire hose, you know, <laughs> trying to fill up a teacup with a fire hose. You had so much information coming through that you you had to figure out what was important, and that's where those those outliers came. That's where the the anomalies came. One perfect example of it was. We kept seeing um, sales audit actually that kept seeing different amounts uh, in registers and 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 they couldn't see why like register two would be under thirty dollars but register four would be over thirty dollars and so there was no um, there was no um, paid in paid outs for those kind of things and as we started looking into XBR we saw that there were no paid outs. There, there, there were just moving money. And as, as we looked further into it, we realized that there was actually a key around every uh, shift manager's neck that just opened the cash drawer and they could move cash from one drawer to another. And that was highlighted through XBR. And we started- oh, Wow. So you guys were yeah. able to find out that this, this store uh, managers or supervisors Pretty much had a had a little store business practice erroneously, but they had it uh, to just kind of move cash around whenever they wanted it or needed without letting the system know about it. Hence, there was no accountability of the funds that were being shifted in order to satisfy the, the till drawer needs. Exactly, and like I said, most people want to do the right thing, and so most people will say, "Oh man, we need some ones in register one," and so they'll go to register three and make that exchange. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty easy for somebody who's having a bad day to say, you know what, instead of two fifties, I'm gonna take three or yeah, whatever. No, exactly, and then since they haven't done a till audit at the, the register where the money's coming from, it's very easy to just say, well, Susie, who opened up that register, has a variance of $300, and I'm gonna put the variance on her. Right on the exactly, exactly, and so it it kind of opened that door for a bad decision. You know, like I said, most people make good decisions; they want to be good people. But if you give someone, if you set it up so that there's an opportunity, people have bad days and they start making bad decisions. And so, yeah, yeah, you you don't ever want to put temptation yeah. out there, right? Because yeah, then, shutting down shutting down those opportunities was huge because we started requiring a uh, paid in paid outs. We started requiring more till audits, that kind of thing. And it, and it tightened that process up. And because that process got tightened up, we were able to see more actually who the internal theft of who was actually taking the money because there was then a paper trail. There was then a story to follow rather than just I don't know, getting lost in the middle. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's one thing that was really, really helpful to sales audit specifically when we implemented XBR because it allowed them to see the full story of that cash moving from register to register. Wow. No, and, and, and I mean, as you're explaining all of this to me, I mean, 
you guys were, I'm sure, very much able to make XPRI allow your department and the, the sales audit department from accounting uh, much more cost effective, right, in relationship to instead of spending hours and hours interviewing a bunch of people to find out that the manager was taking advantage of the of the cashier lady and somebody saw them but they didn't want to say anything etc cetera, etc cetera. you were able to implement all of these systems that saved all that time of investigation and he, he said she said type of situation which can then take weeks or months to resolve if if ever right oh absolutely because i mean when like i said i'm uh I'm a Wicklander Solowski certified in, uh, interviewer, and uh, going into going into an interview, you want as many facts as possible, something that you cannot argue with. Well, A plus B equals C. That's what you need going into that interview. And when you start talking to somebody, that's something you say. You say, "I already know that that one plus one equals two. What I want to know is why." What I want to know is your side of the story. And so it makes interviewing so much easier when your data is solid, when, you're, when, when there is no uh, other explanation for what happened. Yeah, no, absolutely. When there's, when there's no gaps, right, or open-ended uh, items, then the person that's being interviewed, I'm sure you're able to pretty much guide that conversation into them telling you the truth versus them seeing you don't really know all the facts and then they're less willing to kind of spill the beans as they say, right? Right. And uh, one of the things that an interviewer, uh, our interviewers are fond of saying is I could make a decision right now with what I have in front of me, but I'm giving you an opportunity to fill in the gaps, to, to, to add your side of the story. And, and really, I mean, that's, that's what XBR, XBR does for you is that it gives you the ability to make decisions on data that is that is a complete story. And if you don't if you don't have the processes, if you don't have the uh, the policies in place that kind of lock that down, yeah, uh, it, it again leaves it open for that opportunity for somebody to have a bad day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, and and, and I like it because uh, you know that's I love numbers because they don't lie, right? I mean. Numbers have one version of the truth, and that's it. There's there's no ifs and so but. So so I really like that. So so let's talk about obviously the topic at hand all the time, the new normal into what's happening. The economy is starting to reopen. Things are, things are starting to shift and move. People are going back to the stores. Uh, if, if, unfortunately, to that traffic is starting to increase when you try to go out, which I hate that piece. But oh well, that's part of it. I rather have that than have no economy. Uh, but with Never that, thought you'd be a homebody, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But uh, so what, what is your input on what loss prevention challenges are going to be out there, right? Because in my opinion, I, I like the fact that now there's a queue outside of the store. Now every single store has a greeter, right? In essence, who is really more taking control of, of the inventory of people that are coming in in order to stay within that 25 or 50% capacity threshold. But also, I think companies should be capitalizing on those resources from a loss prevention standpoint, not just simply, hey, we're making sure we have the right amount of people inside the store, right? Absolutely. Uh, with, when it comes to the queue outside the store, when it comes to controlling how many people you have in the store, that helps with 
the singular most important thing of loss prevention, which is customer service. And so, I mean, if you have three employees and you have six customers, that's a pretty good ratio. You can offer that customer service and allow that, uh, allow those people to feel served and feel a, uh, feel like they're, they're, they're taken care of. If you have three employees and you have 30 people walking around, it's a very different ratio. And so um, that level of customer service that can, that can be improved on right now is uh, I think worth millions because that's the one thing that people sometimes crave is, is that level of customer service. And, and if they feel like they're being served as a, uh, with the greeter rather than just being denied uh, with, I think that's a great opportunity for companies to actually welcome people to their stores and make sure, and make sure that they know that, you know, they're not only complying with what the city or state regulations are when it comes to opening up their business, but they're doing it because, because the company cares about them. They say, listen, we care about you guys. This is why we're doing this. We want to make sure that everybody's treated fairly. We want to make sure everybody's taken care of. And having those kind of conversations, having the right person as that greeter, uh, I think can be huge for loss prevention because when it comes to external loss prevention, one thing that uh, a person who takes from your company wants to remain is anonymous. They do not want to be part of your day at all. They want to come in, take your stuff and leave. They do not want customer service. They do not want to be part of a uh, uh, party in any conversations like that. And that greeter is, is there and, and recognizing each person who comes in the store. And so, yeah, it's, it's really kind of interesting. Um, to, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what's going to come out of this when it comes to loss. Um, on the other side of that, I apologize for kind of a long-winded uh, answer, but. No, uh, no, no, no. I, I think, I think it's, it's a great answer because I think you address one thing. Uh, I know that they always say, right. In, in the loss prevention world that, that the best deterrent for loss is customer service, as you put it. And I like that you expanded on that because I think a lot of people don't understand that, right? They think, okay, customer service, loss prevention, what, what does that have to do with it? And then to your point and everything that you just shared with me, it's so crucial, right? If, if you have good customer service, less people are gonna be prompted or feel like they have the opportunity to do the bad thing, you know? Uh, but no, thank you so much for expanding on that. And another thing with loss prevention is, especially with external loss, um, a lot of people who who don't uh, who aren't involved in loss prevention, they will think, "Oh man, this per this person's coming in, or that person's coming in. We should watch them, or we should watch them." And that's never what what a good loss prevention team does. They always want to watch the product because, like, correct because you can't get into profiling, right? Because that I mean that that's a terrible thing to do. Yeah, but with but with product, like I, I've seen, uh, we, at Sears we had an issue with a, uh, the loss of fragrances, and uh, it was it was shown in our inventory and everything else like that. And so anytime anyone entered that area, we watched them. It doesn't matter who, what, who, what, when, where, and how. But and and you saw every different type of person, every every uh, every individual was watched and and it was amazing just because once you started watching that product that was that was being taken that's when you really made the difference when it came to external because people who are going to be taking stuff don't want that kind of attention 
You know, anybody who walks into fragrances got approached by a salesperson and talked to. And people who were customers loved it. And yeah, it's, a, it's a double whammy, right? You're killing two birds yeah. in a very positive way. And you'd see some people being approached by a salesperson, put down the bottle and walk off. You know, and so it, it was it was absolutely just that that level of customer service deterrent when you're watching that product, when you're watching, you know, when you're watching the Tide Pods, when you're watching the uh, the, the baby formula, which people love to steal baby formula, you know, and when you're watching that product, you can take uh, take measures to specifically attack that instead of uh, instead of you know, following somebody around the entire store. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I really like that. I mean, that's that's a great, great suggestion. And uh, when it comes to, of course, curbside pickup, when it comes to uh, real-time uh, inventory, right, what do you think are going to be the biggest challenges uh, going forward in the retail industry uh, in order to be able to keep the customer satisfaction and to be able to, obviously, as always, try to decrease losses? Well. Um, what I think it, what I think you're talking about more is kind of the cross cross functional inventory where it's uh, warehouses they're used to saying okay there's 14 of this item on this shelf in this bay and I'm 100% certain of it because you know they're used to having less variables when it comes to their inventory in warehouses and as we're switching over to filling more orders through the stores, that type of, uh, of uh, confidence in your inventory has to be found within the store now. And so let's say you have three of an item, but you get an online order for two of them. But what you don't realize is that all three of them are, are wa still walking around the store in somebody's cart. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. variables within the store when it comes to inventory or somebody, somebody wanted one and then they decided they didn't want one. And so they picked up whatever it was in, uh, in cosmetics and they left it in the soup aisle. And so, yeah, your inventory is there in your store. Sure. But is it, is it where your employee is going to go and be able to find it? And so, and so that, uh, the organization of the store, the, uh, the, the, making your inventory more robust so that it, it, whether it be through cycle counts, through popular items or a, uh, uh, on the other end where it, where it actually um, will not fill to your store. If it's a, if, if it's below a certain on hand um, there's, there's all sorts of processes like that, that are, that are being discovered right now where, um, where your inventory has to be absolutely um, match with your on hand including all the variables of a live store yeah yeah, yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah i think it's it's going to be a very very challenging equation do, do you think uh it's going to require for actual loss prevention resources at the store and be more active at the store physically or do you think with the software that's out there uh, still a corporate unit or a corporate team will be able to handle all those new live store uh, pretty much variations that are potentially there. Absolutely. I can see this being a uh, following under following under the, uh, the loss prevention purvey too. If for some reason or another, your store has had 
you know, had a, had a, uh, an order and there you were not able to fill your order because those things were not on hand. Absolutely. I can, I can see loss prevention being then tasked to say, Hey, we're supposed to have 14 of these on hand, but we've just had two canceled orders for them. So figure that out, whether it be through cycle counts, through, through shipping research and, and through, uh, through inventory adjustments, through external theft even. And so I can absolutely see that being part of the loss prevention world because that's, again, that's anomaly. That's a, uh, that's, that's a big red flag when, when your store is trying to sell something and it can't, that's loss. And it's a sell that you just lost. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to see that as loss. And, um, yeah, with, uh, so that that falling under the loss prevention purvey, I can see definitely, because if if your store believes you have a certain amount and you do not, or or if it's stocked incorrectly, or it's just an investigation of the anomaly, and uh, uh, that's that's what loss prevention is all about. One thing that uh, that I think that a lot of people are getting right right now when it comes to curbside delivery and everything else like that is you're having the person who actually takes it to the car, you know, it used to be, you know, I would come in, I would see your greeter. I would maybe see a couple salespeople. I would maybe even, you know, walk past a manager or, and then you'd talk to your cashier. You would have several points of contact for customer service within your store. Not only, not only the, the actual people, but you know, uh, different merchandising, different end caps set up correctly, different, you, you'd have several points to establish a, the, the feeling of, of that experience, you know, the, the, the satisfaction of that customer, you know, because I mean, we've all gone into stores where it looks like a complete wreck. And so you don't spend as much money because you don't feel like you're, uh, it doesn't feel new. It doesn't feel, feel like a good experience. And all that has been boiled down to the person that is taking it to their car on a, on a little cart with squeaky wheels and buckets that's already bagged up. And so all of that customer experience is boiled into that 15 seconds where you're delivering something to back somebody's car. And so that, uh, I, I think, is not only an opportunity for loss prevention in which you're making sure that you're putting the right stuff in, in the back of people's cars. But again, that customer service, that, uh, that retention of customers so that when things do open back up, you can say, Oh man, you know what? Target was always on point. I always felt like I was appreciated there. Let me go back there. Hey, you know what? Hey, uh, hey, wherever it may be made me feel needed, made me feel good about the experience of, of just, just bringing it to my car. So why not go uh, go there after everything's opened back up? Because you got to remember, loss prevention is only part, or loss is only part of the equation when it comes to shrink. You got loss as a function of sales. Higher your sales are, the uh, the more loss you can withstand. And so, uh, uh, having that level of customer service and having that experience boiled down in the back of that car is a uh, is super important. I think. Great. No, I love it, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much for for all your input. 
Uh, thank you so much for sharing all those things with us. I, I think that's great information that will be very useful for everybody out there. Um, and, you know, and I want to take the opportunity also to kind of make mention, we've been getting a lot of questions about Proxima 360 and what we do and uh, what exactly is our uh, interest and how we can benefit other entities. And this is exactly a, a perfect example, you know. Uh, we, we do implementations of XBRI. We do implementations of many other softwares, uh, not just from a loss prevention standpoint, but also for allocation, ERP, CRM, POS, et cetera. And, uh, and we love working with experts like Cole. Um, this is what we do for a living. This is what we enjoy doing uh, because at the end of the day, we're big believers in collaboration. We're big believers in coming through things together and stronger. Cole, thank you so much for your time. Uh, anything else you would like to add or share with us? No, I, it was a pleasure. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that there's a place people can go to get this kind of information. And uh, you guys are uh, top notch. Thank you again. If you would like to participate in the Retail Corner conversation, please sign up via email at retailcorner at proxima360.com or sign up on our website at proxima360.com. So thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week. Stay safe and have a great weekend.